This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. Jerusalem was a city that was built upon mountains. When the walls of that city were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, the walls were not pushed in, but out. The stones, massive, weighing in tons, had crashed and rolled down the valley digging furrows so that from the top you looked down upon a field strewn thick with boulders. Each one of these boulders had to be hauled up, cleaned, reshaped, and fitted back into the wall. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 10 and 11 we read, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They shall not know neither see till we come among them and caused the work to cease. It was a field of devastation. There were no cranes, no diesel motors, no construction companies. We do not read that any of the builders that Nehemiah employs now in the building of the walls were masons. There might have been a few. But we read that they were priests and perfume makers and policemen and businessmen. Further, there was a desire, there was a need for skill. The foundation had to be firm, the corners plumb. The wall needed to be joined together and fit together. The wall needed to be connected, for if the wall was not connected together, what good would it be? It required muscle, sweat, unity, cooperation, skill. It was a great work. Nehemiah has returned from the king of Persia as the cupbearer when he has heard that the walls of Jerusalem were yet in devastation. He has appeared among the people of God and issued the call, Come, let us build. And the people of God, by God's grace, have now responded under Nehemiah's firm leadership. We will arise and build. And so they strengthened their hands in the God of heaven. And they said, He will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. And now, in Nehemiah chapter 3, Though it's a list that maybe when you when you come to that chapter, maybe you skip over that chapter because it's filled with a list of names that are hard to read. In that chapter is one of the most precious chapters and truths of God's Word. There you see the people of God, of all ages, of all occupations, without contention, without pursuing separate interests, without bickering, side by side doing the work of the Lord. Why? We read in Nehemiah 4, verse 6, the people had a mind to work. The work, the work of the Lord, by the grace of the Spirit, near to, lay near to their heart, and God caused that work to be so dear that it crushed all of their self-interests, and by the Spirit of God, in thankfulness, they started up, and they builded side by side, family by family, engaged in the great work of building the wall of Zion. Are you? Do you build the wall of Zion even over against your own house? 
Nehemiah 3.10, your family, your children, your marriage, the walls of your own personal godliness, the walls of the church of which you are a member, is the truth of God dear and precious to you? Is it evident in your life that the things of Christ and the things of the church and of the gospel lay claim to your heart that you have a mind, you have a mind to you to work, to dedicate yourself to the great work of God in time, which is in the church of Jesus Christ. May the scriptures, as we look into Nehemiah chapter 3 today, so cause us to say, put my name down there, record my name as one who built next to so-and-so, next to my brother, on the wall of Zion, that we were engaged in the great work of the Lord. Our theme is, the people had a mind to work. I said that if you looked at Nehemiah chapter 3, you might be tempted to brush over it, but you should read that chapter with the same reverence that you read Hebrews 11, the chapter on the heroes of faith. None of these men and women who are mentioned in Nehemiah 3 you will find in Hebrews 11, but the same faith that was present in the heroes of faith, those heroes of faith who wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and out of weakness were made strong, that same faith is living in the people mentioned in Nehemiah 3. This is God's registry of builders. It is a registry not of those, God has other registries, you know, other records. He has a record of those who tear down in opposition to him, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, 1 Timothy 1, verse 20, who have put away the faith. He has a record of false teachers and a registry of deserters, of those who have forsaken. But here, in Nehemiah 3, we have a registry of faithful builders in the kingdom of God. If we study this registry, we find out some very important truths. Number one, we see that the building of the walls under the leadership of Nehemiah began with the example of the high priest who set down clearly the priority. This is verse 1 of the chapter. And Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate and sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Heniel. The religious leaders, the high priests, were the ones who set the example. They led the way. They are the very first one recorded to take up the work. The high priest and his brethren rose up. They got the ball rolling under the leadership of Nehemiah. So let it be. Elders and deacons and ministers are required to do more than just talk, but their life is to be their sermon. And notice, not only were they the ones to show an example of setting spiritual things first in their life and giving themselves wholly to the work of the Lord, but notice that they also set the priority. The high priest built the sheep gate. That's where the work of the, law, work of the wall began. And if you read the chapter, the work goes circular all the way around, and it ends up back at that sheep gate. The sheep gate was the place where the animals of sacrifice entered the city. It was directly related to the temple, to the worship of God. It was, very, it was the very heart of the worship of God. They began at the right place. Note, secondly, the diversity of the builders. 
If you read Nehemiah chapter 3, you will come, you will see that the builders came from eight different locations, some up to 20 miles away. Only 50% were residents. They came from Tekoa, from Gibeon, from inhabitants of Zenoah, from Mizpah, from Bethzur, and from Kila. They all had their own farms to till, their vineyards to prune, and their workshops to run. They had no direct benefit themselves from the walls of Jerusalem. They did not say, listen, yes, you have this function and this activity and this work of the church, but I've got my own things to do. I'm too busy for the church's needs. I have important things. And besides, what am I going to get out of it? That was not the spirit of these men. They were from every walk of life. There were goldsmiths and apothecaries, that is, perfume makers. There were merchants and rulers and even daughters. In verse 12, a man had his daughters working with him, laying brick. They didn't say, well, what can I do? I'm not skilled. I've never seen a trowel in my life, and my hands are soft, and those bricks are rough. I'm a perfume maker. I mix liquids in my laboratory. What am I going to do? No, they said, now, as a perfume maker, I'll mix mud on the scaffold. As a goldsmith, I will apply my skill in cutting to the reshaping of the stones. As a daughter, I'll go with my dad, and I will be engaged in this work. What an example to us of wholehearted commitment as families to the cause of God. Note with me, th thirdly, the selflessness of the builders. Merchants left their builders, b their business. Farmers left their fields. The mindset was one of self-abrogation. Self was not important. That comes out especially in the mention of the dung gate, if you read verse 14. All of the work, of course, was arduous, but some of them would offset that difficult work in the knowledge that they were building some very notable places, some places of very high profile, the old gate through which Melchizedek entered, the pool of Shiloh, the sepulcher over David, the tower of the king's house. But there were other places which did not have this high profile, and it was not glamorous. Someone had to build the wall over the dung gate, over the sewage canal. I can imagine the day when Nehemiah was handing out the contracts or assigning the portions of the wall that must be built by each family. And he said, Dungate. And we read that a man called Milkiah, the son of Rechab, the ruler of part of beth he built it. He stepped forward. It was a smelly work. It was unpopular. It had to be done for the glory of God, and he did it. Note with me, in the fourth place, the unity of the builders. They constantly are referred to this way, next to them built, next to them built, next to them built, next to them repaired their brethren. What man here has not experienced in your daily occupation, what jealousy and personal ambition and envy can hamper and delay and all but ruin your projects when workers look cross-eyed at each other? But there was a unity, a unity among them in which they took into account each other. They loved each other, and they loved the cause. And then note the zeal of the builders. 
Not all were engaged in this work. And we read in verse 5 that the nobles of Tekoa would not put their necks to the work of the Lord. They were proud. They were arrogant. They said, oh, this is beneath our dignity. So it was not perfect. But nevertheless, there were builders that had exceptional zeal. The Tekoites were mentioned as those who repaired not only one portion of the wall, but repaired more than one portion of the law. They came evidently to Nehemiah and said, We're done. Where else can I help? Who else can I help? I did my quota, but I've got strength. I can do more. And then note, finally, the graciousness of God toward the builders. Some of the workers on the wall had a checkered past, and some of them had a troublesome present. There was a man called Miramoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Coz. We read in verse 4. His grandfather had been put out of the priesthood for the sin of marrying a strange wife. His father had been restored, and now Miramoth, the grandson, is distinguishing himself. We read further of the man called Meshulam. He is engaged in the work, but it's his daughter who has married the son of Tobiah, and Tobiah is the enemy. His daughter is daughter-in-law to Tobiah, and she's reporting every word of Nehemiah to Tobiah and is trying to promote the work of Tobiah in stopping the construction of the wall. So here's a man whose family was not behind him. This was very troublesome to him, but he continued in the work. The sins of the fathers do not prevent God's grace from working in the present, and the troubles and sorrows of the present do not disqualify you from the work of the Lord. What vital living lessons! I trust that as we went over that brief review of the work of the Lord and the building of the walls, that you were making much personal application, that the Holy Spirit was busy actively applying the Word. You don't just sit, do you, mindless under the Word of God, but you hear God's Word for application, do you not? You understand that Nehemiah 3 is not the record of the past, but that the Scripture is the Word of the present always the word of the present. Don't say, oh boy, what that would have been like to see that and to talk to those guys. You, child of God, are there. How are you building? The lessons are first of all the forgetfulness of self and the presence of a passion for the accomplishment of the great work of God. The great work of God is the cause of his church, the gospel, the covenant, evangelism, building up, sending forth the word of God. The great work that comes to us, children of God, is a weight that much must crush self. Beloved, when the needs of the wall are shown to you, the needs of God's people, then inside of us must shrink me, my, and mine. It must shrivel up in the presence of the great work of God's kingdom of His dear Son. Self-denial, 
Jesus said, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If your honor, if your way, if your will, if your pleasure is the most important thing to you, don't count on being used of God for any good purpose in the building of his kingdom. Don't count on being involved in anything that really matters. You want to build up your marriage? Forget about yourself. You must have a great vision of the Lamb of God and His wife, the church, at the table of communion in heaven. You want young peoples to work this year? You want young peoples to be a time of fellowship? Well, don't sit in the discussion thinking about how you come off and what other people think about you and that what you said sounds dumb. Oh, but you got to see. If you're going to be engaged in spiritual work with each other, you got to see the great, wonderful work of the Lord, oh, for the Holy Spirit, to give us a great vision of the work of the Lord. Note, secondly, the lesson of the unity of the workers. Building in the kingdom of Christ is not like building the Tower of Babel. It's a confusion of tongues there, speaking past, through, and about each other, gaining ascendancy over the other. But the building of God's church on every level is to be characterized by unity a peace from seeking each one to do our own part to the eye of the joining of the wall the strength of Nehemiah's day was unity it would have been doomed if the ranks were filled with rancor, bitterness accusation and suspicion division is the most tragic evil in the life of the church. The wall must be joined if it's to be a wall. Apart from unity, there is no success in building. Too often we are busy building. We're busy building our piece of the wall. We want to build our piece of the wall thick and high and better because those other people in the church are just not as faithful as I am. We say, my kids, my spiritual life, my church in this denomination is really the backbone of the church. We look askance at the builders united in the confessions with us, others who are different from us. We don't see the need that the wall be joined. What good is a strong section of the wall, high and thick, if it's not joined to the other section of the wall. The devil passes through the gaps, and he laughs and pushes it down from inside. You are not a liberal if you seek the unity of the builders of the church in the truth of God. No church, no church can be independent. No church can be conservative, biblical, and faithful by itself. A believer is not strong standing alone. Young people, you are not strong if you stand alone. You must be joined. You must be joined to the church in truth. 
Note with me the lesson of the sobriety of the builders. They did not perform shoddy work. They did good work. It was not shoddy work in catechism. It was not shoddy work in the spiritual life. There was a sobriety. There was a care about the work. What a glorious truth. And what a glorious thing it is to be involved in the building of the kingdom of God. Not that we want to have a tower named after us, but we desire that God use our weak and sinful labors to accomplish a glorious purpose in the building of, the, of Jerusalem, His church. We desire to be a faithful servant. And therefore, the Word of God comes to us today to be busy at our place on the wall, busy in our home teaching our children, Busy serving our wife, serving our husband, leading our children, spending time with them. Busy in the church, faithful as elders and deacons, faithful as church members, faithful in the Christian school, at work, doing all that the Master has set before us, witnessing of the gospel, all these mighty works. Wherever God has placed you, be it at David's gate or be it at the dung gate, be it at the sheep gate or be it at the old gate, be you a mother, a husband, a wife, a parent, a believer, a pastor, a young person, a child, an elder, or a deacon. In the church we stand in one faith next to each other, and I next to you. And our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's hear the leader, Jesus Christ, who has come among us. Come, let us build. Deny yourself. Stand in the unity of the truth desire skill and wisdom in the word of the Lord. The triumph is sure. The city of God will be built. Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, by God's grace alone, will descend out of heaven. Come, then, let us build. And may God himself give to us a mind to work. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for thy word. We pray for its blessing now, today, upon our hearts and upon our souls. We pray that we may be united and stand united in humility and in faithfulness to Thee and to Thy glorious cause, that the truth of Thy Word may be above all things precious to us, and that in the face of that truth we may truly humble ourselves and be busy, busy building for Thy honor and for Thy glory. In Jesus' name do we ask and pray these things. Amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed Churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.